Chapter Twelve of Kate Bonnet. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Kate Bonnet by Frank R. Stockton. Chapter Twelve: Face to Face. With her head to the wind, the pirate vessel Revenge bore down slowly upon the king and queen, now lying to and awaiting her. The stiff breeze was growing stiffer, and the sea was rising. The experienced eye of Paul Bittern, the sailing-master of the pirate, now told him that it would be dangerous to approach the brig near enough to make fast to her, even for the minute which Captain Bonnet craved, the minute which would have been long enough for a couple of sturdy fellows to toss on board the prize, that exasperating human indictment, Ben Greenway. "'We cannot do it!' shouted Black Paul to Bonnet. "'We shall run too near her as it is. "'Shall we let fly at short range and riddle her hull?' Captain Bonnet did not immediately answer. The situation puzzled him. He wanted very much to put the Scotchman on board the brig, and after that he did not care what happened. But before he could speak, there appeared on the rail of the king and queen, holding fast to a shroud, the figure of a young man, who put his hand to his mouth and hailed, "'Throw me a line! Throw me a line!' Such an extraordinary request at such a time naturally amazed the pirates, and they stood staring, as they crowded along the side of their vessel. "'If you are not going to board her,' shouted Dickory again, "'throw me a line!' Filled with curiosity to know what this strange proceeding meant, Black Paul ordered that a line be thrown, and in a moment a tall fellow seized a coil of light rope and hurled it through the air in the direction of the brig. But the rope fell short, and the outer end of it disappeared beneath the water." Now the spirit of Black Paul was up. If the fellow on the brig wanted a line, he wanted to come aboard, and if he wanted to come aboard, he should do so. So he seized a heavier coil, and swinging it around his head, sent it with tremendous force towards Dickory, who made a wild grab at it and caught it. Although a comparatively light line, it was a long one, and the slack of it was now in the water, so that Dickory had to pull hard upon it before he could grasp enough of it to pass around his body. He had scarcely done this, and had made a knot in it, before a lurch of the brig brought a strain on the rope, and he was incontinently jerked overboard. The crew of the merchantmen, who had not had time to comprehend what the young fellow was about to do, would have grasped him had he remained on the rail a moment longer, but now he was gone into the sea, and working vigorously with his legs and his arms, was endeavouring to keep his head above water while the pirates at the other end of the rope pulled him swiftly towards their vessel. Great was the excitement on board the Revenge. Why should a man from a merchantman endeavour alone to board a vessel which flew the Jolly Roger? Did he wish to join the crew? Had they been ill-treating him on board the brig? Was he a criminal endeavouring to escape from the officers of the law? It was impossible to answer any of these questions, and so the swarthy rascals pulled so hard and so steadily upon the line that the knot in it, which Dickory had not tied properly, became a slip-knot, and the poor fellow's breath was nearly squeezed out of him as he was hauled over the rough water. When he reached the vessel's side there was something said about lowering a ladder, but the men who were hauling on the line were in a hurry to satisfy their curiosity, so up came Dickory straight from the water to the rail, and that proceeding so increased the squeezing that the poor fellow fell upon the deck scarcely able to gasp. When the rope was loosened, the half-drowned and almost breathless Dickory raised himself and gave two or three deep breaths, but he could not speak despite the fact that a dozen rough voices were asking him who he was and what he wanted. With the water pouring from him in streams and his breath coming from him in puffs, he looked about him with great earnestness. Suddenly a man rushed through the crowd of pirates and stopped to look at the person who had so strangely come aboard. 
Then he gave a shout. "'It's Dickory Charter!' he cried. "'Dickory Charter! The son of old Dame Charter! "'Ye Dickory! And how in the name of all that's blessed did you come here?' "'Master Bonnet! Master Bonnet!' he shouted to the captain, who now stood by. "'It's young Dickory Charter of Bridgetown. "'He was on board this vessel before we sailed, with Mistress Kate and me. "'The last time I saw her, he was with her.' "'What?' exclaimed Bonnet. "'With my daughter?' "'Aye, aye,' said Greenway. "'It must have been a little before she went on shore.' "'Young man!' cried Bonnet, stooping towards Dickory. "'When did you last see my daughter? "'Do you know anything of her?' The young man opened his mouth, but he could not yet do much in the way of speaking, but he managed to gasp, "'I come from her. I am bringing you a message.' "'A message from Kate?' shouted Bonnet, now in a state of wild excitement. "'Here, you, Greenway, lift up the other arm, and we will take him to my cabin. Quick, man, quick, man! He must have some spirits and dry clothes. Make haste now. A message from my daughter!' "'If that's so,' said Greenway, as he and Bonnet hurried the young man aft, "'you better not be in too great haste to get his message out of him, "'or you'll kill him with pure recklessness.' Bonnet took the advice, and before many minutes Dickory was in dry clothes and feeling the inspiriting influence of a glass of good old rum. Now came Black Paul, wanting to know if he should sink the brig and be done with her, for they couldn't lie by in such weather. "'Don't you fire on that ship,' yelled Bonnet. "'Don't you dare it, for all I know my daughter may be on board of her.' At this Dickory shook his head. "'No,' said he. "'She is not on board.' "'Then let her go,' cried Bonnet. "'I have no time to fool with the beggarly hulk. "'Let her go. I have other business here. "'And now, sir,' addressing Dickory, "'what of my daughter? "'You have got your breath now. Tell me quickly. "'What is your message from her? "'When did you sail from Bridgetown? "'Did she expect me to overhaul that brig? "'How in the name of all the devils could she expect that?' "'Come, come now, Master Bonnet,' exclaimed the Scotchman. "'You're talking to your daughter, the good and beautiful Mistress Kate. "'And no matter whether you're a pirate or not, "'you must keep a guard on your tongue. "'And if you think she knew where to find you, "'you must consider her an angel, "'and not to be spoken of in the same breath as devils.' "'I didn't sail from Bridgetown,' said Dickory, "'and your daughter is not there. "'I came from Jamaica, where she now is, "'and was bound to Bridgetown to seek news of you, "'hoping that you had returned there.' "'Which, if he had,' said Ben, who found it very difficult to keep quiet, "'you would have been under the necessity of giving your message to his bones hanging in chains.' Bonnet looked savagely at Ben, but he had no time even to curse. "'Jamaica!' he cried. "'But how did she get there? "'Tell me quickly, sir. "'Tell me quickly. "'Do you hear?' Dickory was now quite recovered, and he told his story, not too quickly, and with much attention to details. Even the account of the unusual manner in which he and Kate had disembarked from the pirate vessel was given without curtailment, nor with any attention, to the approving grunts of Ben Greenway. When he came to speak of the letter which Mr. Newcombe had written her, and which had thrown her into such despair on account of its shortcomings, Captain Bonnet burst into a fury of execration. "'And she never got my letter,' he cried, and knew not what had happened to me. "'It is that wife of mine, that cruel wildcat!' I sent the letter to my house, thinking, of course, it would find my daughter there, for where else should she be? "'And a most extraordinary wise man you were to do that,' said Ben Greenway, "'for you might a known, if he had ever thought of it at all, that the place where your wife was was the place where your daughter couldn't a be, and ye not with her. If ye had spoke to me about it, it would have gone to Mr. Newcombe, and then ye'd a known that she'd be sure to get it.' At this a slight cloud passed over Dickory's face, and in spite of the misfortunes which had followed upon the non-delivery of her father's letter, he could not help congratulating himself that it had not been sent to the care of that man Newcombe. 
he had not time to formulate the reasons why this proceeding would have been so distasteful to him but he wanted martin newcombe to have nothing to do with the good or bad fortune of mistress kate whose champion he had become and whose father he had found and to whom he was now talking face to face the three talked for a long time during which black paul had put the vessel about upon her former course and was sailing swiftly to the north as Dickory went on, Bonnet ceased to curse, but over and over blessed his brother-in-law as a good man, and one of the few worthy to take into his charge the good and beautiful. Steed Bonnet had always been very fond of his daughter, and now, as it became known to him into what desperate and direful condition his reckless conduct had thrown her, he loved her more and more, and grieved greatly for the troubles he had brought upon her. "'But it'll be all right now,' he cried. "'She's with her good uncle, who will show her the most gracious kindness, "'both for her mother's sake and for her own, "'and I will see to it that she be not too heavy a charge upon him.' "'As for you, Dickory,' exclaimed Greenway, "'you're a brave boy, and will come to be an honour "'to your mother's declining years and to the memory of your father. "'But how did ye ever come to think aboard in this nest of sea-devils, "'and at such risk to your life?' "'I did it,' said Dickory, simply, "'because Mistress Kate's father was here, "'and I was bound to come to him wherever I should find him, "'for that was my main errand. "'They told me on the brig that it was Captain Bonnet's ship "'that was overhauling us, "'and I vowed that as soon as she boarded us "'I would seek him out and give him her message, "'and when I heard that the sea was getting too heavy for you to board us, "'I determined to come on board if I could get a hold of a line.' "'Young man,' cried Bonnet, rising to his full height and swelling his chest, "'I bestow upon you a father's blessing.' "'More than that,' and as he spoke he pulled open a drawer of a small locker, "'here's a bag of gold pieces, and when you take my answer you shall have another like it.' But Dickory did not reach out his hand for the money, nor did he say a word. "'Don't be afraid,' cried Bonnet. "'If you have any religious scruples, I will tell you that this gold I did not get by piracy. It is part of my private fortune, and came as honestly to me as I now give it to you.' But Dickory did not reach out his hand." Now up spoke Ben Greenway. "'Look ye, boy,' said he, "'as long as there's a chance left "'a getting honest gold on board this vessel, "'I pray ye, seize it, "'and if you're afraid of this gold, "'thinking it may be smeared with the blood of fathers "'and the tears of mothers, "'I tell ye one thing, and that is, "'that Master Bonnet hasn't a got to be so much of a pirate "'that he willna tell the truth. "'So I'll take the money for ye, Dickory, "'and I'll keep it till you're ready to take it to your mother, "'and I hope that will be soon.'" End of chapter 12